0: Hello and welcome to the Ask Weldon Show, episode 260. Today's topic is Key Fundamentals for a New Amateur Team, Energy Without Sugar, and Going Pro While Old. We also have a bonus question because I'm doing four questions to show now until I get caught up on the questions. And that bonus question is, how should I choose my priorities based on a question from Charles about the book that he's reading, which is called Essentialism. Uh, I've never read it, but... Uh, if you like the question and you like uh, Charles's energy, maybe you go check it out. We'll see. Uh, so, why don't we just jump into the first question and I will do any announcements that I have after that. Question number one from Emil. Where's the audio? Here we go.
1: Hi, well done. Just to uh, say thank you for all the amazing content. Here's a backstory to my question I'm trying to assemble a team that is to compete in a top amateur scene in PUBG. Uh, we're from different nationalities and it's going to speak English. If we can focus on the team's functionality to answer this question, like as a group of four individuals, i uh, will put a lot of thinking in whether we should find a coach or
0: analyst and in general, what we should start up working on. So without being PUBG specific uh, and
1: just like a team or a group of four people, uh, the question boils down to the following. What key fundamentals should a new team start up working with in the first weeks?
0: All right. So thank you for your question. Um, I'm going to move the camera over so I'm centered there. Alright, so you are a group of friends, you've just decided that you're going to form an eSport team, you want to compete in a tournament, and you're actually going to practice, meaning that you're going to sit down like three times a week and you're going to practice for like two to three hours. Uh, what are the fundamentals that you need to work on as a squad that are like the groundwork of everything that builds on top of that? So, the first thing is you need to have a philosophy of how you're going to play the game. You need to have like um, an agreed upon compromise of of like the style of play that you want to do. And you can have multiple styles, but you need to have like some sort of like discussion around it so you know like priorities. Like this is what we're gonna try to do if we can, this is what we're gonna do if we can't do that. Kind of like that. Because you're going to try to get better at this style of play. And while you're doing that, People are going to make mistakes, and you want to be able to know which mistakes are mistakes that you need to like pull yourself back from, and like not do again, and which mistakes are mistakes that you need to like keep doing more of until you mistake your way through and you learn like through growth, right? Through mistakes, and so having a philosophical uh, synergy and being all on the same page is really important, so that like during practice, when people are messing up over and over and over again, everybody knows like what are the mistakes that are like. Expected and what are the mistakes that are not expected on a personal level, so that they can like say to their team, "Hey, sorry, I messed mess that up. I shouldn't have done it." Or like everybody, can, when they see a mistake, can be like, "Hey, that's great, guy. Just keep at it. You'll get it next time." Um, differentiating between those mistakes is really important. Um, otherwise, people just get tilted and frustrated with each other for losing game after game after game. So the first first thing is to have a philosophical. Uh, approach towards the game that is synergistic with your team and that everybody agrees upon and the best way to do that is to talk about the game watch games together discuss what style you want to play talk about um different teams that you idolize and what your goal is and who you would want to look like if you were like the kind of team um do you want to be a dominant team do you want to be a like a feast or famine team where you like you like crush everybody or or die trying do you want to be like the super secret um team that always has the best position and like never gives it up um do you want to be the team that's always on the outside like uh outside of the circle like coming in um do you want to be the team that um yeah that always comes from unexpected angles do you want to be super super good at utility and use it like in every fight to get the get a big advantage do you have a long range team do you want to be a rushing team do you want to be a pincher team like anyway come up with a style that you can agree upon and that will inform your practice and the attitude you should have towards your teammates mistakes that's the number one most important thing second thing on the now on the practical level so that's like a theory crafting conversation stylistic level on the practical level you need to get a um glossary glossary of terms so i don't know which nationality you're from if english is not your mother tongue glossary of terms is basically just like a like a A dictionary, I guess you would say, of what words mean. So when you call something with a single word or a sentence, it has a whole meaning behind it that everybody is uh, uh, on the same page with. Kind of like a playbook in sports. So like you're an offensive coordinator, like we're going to do the play seventy six forty three B, and everybody knows what that means. Except you're going to be using words, not numbers and not monikers, because you're not trying to keep this stuff secret from your opponent, like you would in basketball or in uh, soccer or uh, European football, where like you're shouting from the sidelines, so you got to kind of keep stuff like in code words. Like you're just talking with each other, so you don't need code words. So you can say actually what you're gonna do. But anyway, you guys need to know what everybody's role is in every play, and the way that you do that is you you deconstruct your play. So you finish a game, you go back and you look at the game, and you look and, and you're like, okay, well here my idea was we would do this. What was your idea? Like how would you see this thing? play out and you'd say like, oh well I was seeing it playing it out like you would do this and I would do this and we would do this and then we would win. And you'd be like, oh well I was seeing it playing out like I should do this and you should do that and then we would win. Okay, well then the, the best play here is that we three people do this thing in this way and this is your job and this is my job and this is my job. Okay, everybody clear? Okay, what do we call that? Like how do like in game, like how do we remind each other like that this is happening? Oh we don't need to remind it. It's a basic play. We're just always gonna remember it. This is just how we should do it every time. Oh okay. So like we'll just call it the basic. Just do the basic. Uh, okay, but this is a special one because in this case, like I don't have a sniper, so like we have three like short range guns. We don't have even medium range yet. We don't have any vision, so like this isn't going to happen as often. So we need a word for it. So okay, we're going to call it uh, hard rush or something. Uh, let's hard rush them, uh, you know. And that means that you're going to cover and like just empty your whole magazine at them while we're like charging or something. I don't know. Whatever your play is, like. Um, you know, you need to know who like is in charge of utilities so you can pass off your grenades and stuff like that. But anyway, the point is, like, I want you to have a uh, an agreed upon vocabulary for these that you can do. Okay, so those are the two basic fundamentals you gotta get down. And then the third one is, um, you know, just kind of the basic teamwork stuff. Like, make sure that you enjoy each other outside of the game. Make sure that you don't hinge your friendship on winning and losing so make sure you're doing stuff and talking about like what's going to happen if you win what's going to happen if you lose how it's a team game and like there's going to be at the amateur level like highly skilled and unhighly skilled people on the same team and you have to coexist without wishing that you had a different teammate so know who you are in that hierarchy and if you are the highly skilled person you should be doing a lot more like building up your teammates and saying like that you want to be with them and that you appreciate playing with them and what you value about them. And if you're the low skilled teammate, you need to show a lot of uh, effort and respect towards the higher skilled teammate and like trying your hardest so that like you, they know at least that you're doing your best, even if it's not something that like is up to the level of them, right? So that they feel good after they lose with you on the team. And those are kind of just like the minor glue that holds teams together, but that makes it, more fun to do competitive e instead of like just really frustrating grind, uh, and yeah, I think that that should be the priority. And there's really no concrete advice for that. It's all the basic stuff that you uh, you know from team sports and you know from team activities, um, and you just gotta, yeah, you just gotta figure it all out. So thank you for the question, I appreciate it, and I'm gonna jump into the announcements now. Uh, I think that the new year September is gonna be my big push on trying to get this Mac application done so that we have an app so um, definitely if you were thinking about purchasing the program now is a good time to do it so that we have the push through for that um, other announcements my off season is still in full swing still moving around on talk on stuff with the roster for CLG's main season for next season watching a few worlds games I'm going to be going to Finland soon and jumping from warm, warm Los Angeles to cold, cold uh, cold, cold, cold Juvascula uh, that'll be fun and, uh, yeah, I don't really have any other major announcements. It's kind of like a slow, slow off-season. So why don't we jump into question number two? And this one is from Oscar.
1: Hi, well Uh Recently, Hi, I've been trying to stop eating a lot of sugar, which has been my main source for getting my energy. Um, so instead, I have been trying to do exercises, uh getting proper sleep and eating as well as I should. Um, so my question to you is that since I don't get my energy from sugar, that like instant energy, I I feel tired some sometimes during the day. And I don't know if I should try caffeine or something like that uh, because I have never... Drink your coffee. I, I don't like coffee. I have been trying tea, um, but that's pretty much it. So I read a lot of stuff about caffeine. I don't know if I should try it. What do you think?
0: All right. Thank you, Oscar, for the question. So I'm going to answer this in two forms. First is talking about everything you can do to prepare and make sure that you have energy throughout the day um, and to understand when your energy should naturally be down. And then the second part of the question is, the second part of the answer is going to be like, okay, well now let's let's say that it's a given that you got to this part of the day and you do have low energy, but you need high energy because you have a test or because you have an event. So, like, what what do you do? What do you do then? Um, if you need to like get a boost. So, first of all. Sleep is the number one priority here for managing your energy throughout the day. If you're experiencing low energy points, it could be that you are, and it probably is likely that you are not sleeping very well. Um, And by that, I mean perfectly. You could be sleeping well, but not perfectly. So make sure that you're getting like eight to nine hours of sleep. Make sure that it's, you know, at the appropriate time for you to be sleeping. If you're like an early riser, make sure you're going to bed early. If you're a slightly later riser, make sure you're, you're, um, not trying to go to sleep too early and getting up too early. Um, definitely make sure they're not going to bed late and getting up early, which is probably the worst of all those worlds. Uh, and then respect the quality of your sleep. Try to look at it real quick and make sure that you eliminate, um, for example, light in the room that you're sleeping in, sound in the room that you're sleeping in. Uh, make sure that your temperature is dialed in, that it's like low uh, lower than your normal like daily living temperature. Make sure that your arousal downtime is coming down, so that you know after 6 p.m. you're limiting the amount of light that you intake through your eyes. That you're doing the blue screen thing with all of the um, monitors that you use. That you are like lowering the temperature of your surroundings. Uh, that you're kind of like bringing your energy level down. That you're not drinking caffeine or alcohol at all leading into the evening, um, so that you get undisrupted sleep. And then make sure in the morning that you're doing full arousal. So that you're getting out, you're getting your vitamin D, you're make sure that you're getting like one to two hours of like sunlight in the morning, like after you wake up, whether that's through walking or through working in front of an open window or even a closed window or just like very, very, very bright and active, like kick me into daytime gear kind of light, which you cannot get from being inside, by the way. Uh, like lights just are not as bright as the sun. It's just impossible. They don't do the same thing to the eyes that sun does. And I don't mean, like, triggering hormones, although that is what happens. I mean, like, as in just the sheer, like, brightness level. Um, I'm not talking about the melatonin suppression effect of blue light. Uh, I'm talking specifically about, like, just the sheer lux capacity of the sun versus a light bulb. Um, And then make sure that you understand your energy... Like Everybody has like peak arousal times throughout the day, like when they're, they're highest aroused and, and where they're usually tired. Um, if you recently came off of sugar, there's going to be a time lag where you're like desensitizing to it, so you're probably going to feel more tired than you actually have any right to be at that period of the day, and you just need to wait a few weeks for your withdrawal to go through, and for you to like start utilizing and feeling the food that you're eating properly to be your energy source. So give that a little bit of time, and then be like, okay, well, I'm just usually tired from, like, 2 to 4. I just probably shouldn't, if I can't engineer my day to, like, relax from 2 to 4 and take a small little 15-minute nap, I should do that instead of trying to be productive during that time. And I should be productive when I'm super, super, super productive, like at 11 a.m., you know, or something like that. Uh, So engineer your day around your lulls, And then finally, we get to the final answer in the second Part of the answer was, let's say all of those things are accounted for, and you're at like this 2 p.m. lull, and you just need to compete. Like you're walking up on stage to give a speech, or you have something due at 6 p.m., and you have to finish it. Um, So then I recommend yeah, alertness aids. Uh, First and foremost would be non-chemical, so things like mindfulness meditation, if you're good at it. So mindfulness meditation, when you first start out, usually makes you sleepy. But eventually you can see tiredness as an internal state, and you can start avoiding or ignoring it in the same way you would ignore or avoid um, over-concentration on sound, uh, whatever. So you can can essentially treat it as something that can be fought through. So mindfulness meditation is something that I used to fight tiredness once I was really, really good at it. or to increase alertness, not to fight tiredness. And you can do things like get up and run around and get your blood moving and exercise, and you can uh, eat something slow-carb. or, um, Yeah, then you get to the parts, uh, the aerogenic aids, such as caffeine. So obviously, if you can drink tea, I would just recommend tea. Just stick with that. If you want to add coffee, you can add coffee. These are decently healthy, performance-enhancing uh alertness aids that are, in a lot of cases, more beneficial for your longevity than not. So, for example, coffee is associated with lower levels of Parkinson's disease and lower levels of heart disease um, and lower levels of bowel cancer, I believe. So, and it's not causally related, these are correlational, but it's not like coffee is like a Problematic thing if you have a low anxiety life and you don't take it in a time when it disrupts with your sleep. So remember that caffeine has a very long half life and a very long quarter life, six hours, and then like twelve and twelve and twenty four hours. And um, so you're gonna have caffeine in your body, and so your sleep is gonna be inhibited. So you should make sure to keep it very low grade caffeine, and only when you need it, um, and don't become dependent on it, and definitely don't drink it after like three or four. or Definitely not five. Okay, so that's the answer to that question. I hope that was helpful, and uh, definitely don't go back to relying on sugar. Okay, Mac program. So the Mac program is an online course right now, online video course composed of forty-nine videos that you take, um, that you like use, you watch one per day, and each day is composed of a lecture and a seated mindfulness training. And this is the course that I used to in in the beginning of my career as like the main introduction to mental resilience in the performance setting for every team that I worked with, from CLG to TSM to G2, back to CLG. Um, And it's like the fundamental uh, understanding of what mental resilience is, what poise is, the ability to act in service of your values instead of your emotions, and and how to pull those out in a day-to-day setting when you're trying to grind it, and also in a performance setting when you're walking up on stage. And this online course is something that I've been working on Four years this is the third version of it. This version was launched 2015, so it's already four years old. I'm currently recording the new version, already like uh, 10, 10 sections or whatever in on both the lectures and the mindfulness. Um, it's all written, just recording it, and it's going to be launched as an app at some point in the future. Whereupon, if you own the course already, which is a one-time fee, you'll just be grandfathered in. You'll get the app, which is going to be like an upgraded version of whatever this course is. Uh, the course has a lot of great feedback from people who are performers in management, eSport. Um, what are some of the other sports that people have talked to me? They have used the Mac program for singing, uh, running, uh hurtling, a hurdler we used it for their sport. Um, swimmers, lots of swimmers and tennis players, lots of them. Um, no golf players yet, so if you play golf and you've used the Mac program, please message me. Let me know how it's worked for you. Uh, and it's yeah, it's just uh, it's pretty straightforward that's everything it is. Just go to mindgames.gg you'll find it there on the web. Uh, you have to use the code ask if you can't if you previously have owned it and you can't get access, it's because it's been moving websites as the previous websites have crashed or died or I've moved or had to change providers because they got too expensive, etc. So just hit me up with your login and I'll fix that for you. Uh, there's no like ser- service people in the app, it's just me, so you just have to get a hold of me if something goes wrong. Um, use the code ASKWELDON to get the discount and to say that you come from YouTube and or Twitch, if you're here on Twitch, with the 30 live viewers who are currently watching this show live. Which, by the way, you should check out, GamesWeldon. This show is actually a live show, not just one on YouTube, and you can check it out uh, every time that it's broadcast. It's kind of at random times right now because I don't have a set schedule, so get the phone on your app. Twitch, phone, uh, Twitch application on your app, and you'll get cool Twitch applica- Twitch notifications like this, and then you can see when I go live and you can just click it, and you can catch the show like that. Um, Alright, that's it for announcements. Let's jump into question number three from Charles. Hi, Weldon. Hi. I'm reading Essentialism by Greg McCune, and I'm having trouble deciding on priorities in my goals. Do you have any suggestions for prioritizing strategies and time spent on those strategies as you try to accomplish your goals, whether they're making worlds or, in my case, teaching science? Yes. So the thing that you're trying to do is values exploration. Um, I have a whole section of it in the Mac program, by the way. And... I think you start out with a lot of long-term thinking. Like, how do you want people to talk about you at your funeral? What kind of person do you want to be described as? Not what do you want to have accomplished. Those are goals. I'm talking about values. So, like, how do you want to accomplish the things that you're accomplishing? If it helps, set a goal. Like, I want to do this thing. I want to be a person who does this thing. And then, say... How do you want people to describe you as the kind of person who did that thing? Let's pretend there's ten people who did that thing. What separates you from them, or or what kind of person are you while doing it? Are you a kind person? Are you a are you a great father? Uh, did you always make time Like, just talk about like the quality of person that you are rather than the thing that you accomplished. Um and those are your values. And then I want you to bring it back to like, okay, let's say it's not the end of your life and this isn't your funeral, but let's say it's the end of your career and you're retiring. How do people say about how it is that you lived out your vocation? What kind of worker were you? What kind of employee? What kind of boss? What kind of whatever? Um, not what did you do? What kind of it were you? Um and then dial it back to like the end of the current season of your life. Are you a student right now? Are you a child of a parent? Um, are you a new parent? Are you a new member to church? Are you like what? What are you doing right now that is going to be over in the next two or three years? Um, or that you're undertaking as like a mission, um, for next like phase of your life uh, to accomplish? And how do you want people to describe you at the end of that phase as you're transitioning to the next one? Let's say you get promoted. Let's say you get picked up by a team because you want to be an eSport athlete. Let's say you uh, finally like launch your startup or sell it. Uh, let's say you finally are successful and pulling in revenue and you become a boss let's say that you finally leaving this department or becoming the department head um, after being its employee for a long time whatever it is uh, write out then what you like what kind of employee you would have been or student or child to your parent or uh, an uncle if you have nieces and nephews um, what, what would you have done and what kind of human would you have been while doing it and how would people describe that from the outside what Actual physical behaviors would they be able to point to to say you are that kind of person? Okay, and then um, you do values exploration. So you look at those and you write down like two or three words that you think like inhabit the values that run through that line of of exploration. And then you create smart, well-crafted goals that are in line with those values. Uh, the value-driven goals. Um, and you essentially say, like, I want to accomplish this thing in this way. I want to accomplish this thing by being this kind of person. And then on a day-to-day basis, you have a way of doing the thing that you're doing. And it doesn't matter if you're actually, like, getting to the thing that you're doing, but you're doing it in a certain way that you can't fail at because you can always do it in that way even if you can't do the thing itself. And that is what comes to define you. So that values exploration is how you find your priorities, priorities and how it is that you're going to act or how it is that you're going to act towards um, the things that you want to do. And it becomes irrelevant what you want to do at that point, because you have a way of living out that is the culmination of, of who you want to be, and, and as you strive to be that kind of person all the time, and live out those values, you accomplish whatever it is you happen to be working on. Which is pretty irrelevant, in my opinion, in the grand scheme of things. Um, humans just do what humans do. Alright, that's uh, that question, and let's jump into the final question of the show. If I can find it here. Sorry, everybody. From this question is from Jonathan.
1: Hey, Weldon. I'm Jonathan, and I'm
0: a uh, hobbyist artist. Sorry,
1: wrong question. Actually, it's going to be from Simon. Hey, Weldon. I got a question about age in esports. I'm 26 now, and I I want to ask if it's still worth or or possible to start and try to be a pro. Uh, A few years ago, I got master on U.S., but I was very toxic. I stomped early as jungle, and then I surrendered the game. Uh, Now I grew up, I got passive incomes, and I think I can spend some time on league. And here's the question. How do I do it? What are ways to go pro? What league should I get and where? Uh, And important question, how Riot and teams look at the other players, what if they have families, and so on. Uh, And maybe when I can find information about salaries in different regions, thanks. All right, so
0: salaries in different regions, um, I think basically you have to Twitter hunt for that, I don't think there's any public information out there. I think that like North like China is probably the highest paid region. Probably North America, Turkey, uh, Europe, maybe now are probably the next highest paid regions. Then probably Korea, um, Brazil, and on down and down from there. Um, As far as age, uh, the the. Only issue in my mind that comes with age is free time. So as you age, you get less and less free time. And that's because you have things like families and hobbies. And you need to have, in order to be a high performance athlete, like as an NBA player or a hockey player or somebody who's on one of the best teams in the world or an Olympian, generally speaking, if you get married, you're going to be marrying a person who's like going to take care of everything their own. They're not going to, um, for example, bother you with like their problems or the things that they're doing that day, or let the kid wake you up in the middle of the night. They're going to be the one getting up and doing that because they know that you need to sleep and these kind of things. So that's not like a very modern relationship. Uh, it's kind of like a more of an old-school relationship. If you're a male, if you're a female, it's a rather new-school relationship. Uh, but like generally speaking, in eSport, it's doubly so because you actually have to train even more than you do. In traditional sport, you can only train a certain amount before your body breaks. And so you have a certain amount of lag time that you can live your normal life. But in eSport, that is not true. Um, in games like CSGO... Where you, or games with aim that are low on strategy and high on tactics, you can train a lot of the game, and then you can maintain that skill. You can like just maintain it through drills, and you can be you can be a professional at a professional level. But if you're in a game like League of Legends or Apex or one of these games that like changes constantly and the game is constantly being updated and things are changing and the strategy is changing and like, um, then you basically are gated by training time. Because you can train the entire day without getting an injury, people will train the entire day without getting an injury, and therefore you're competing against those people, and you're not any smarter than them or anything, um, or faster than them. Everybody's basically like at the top level. Everybody's basically the same uh, in terms of like quality of their reaction speed and their thought process and their strategy. Some people are like heads and tails above, but like and the they seem heads and tails above, but really it's like very micro above right it's just enough to like crush everybody else at that level because that that point 0.1% makes a big difference when everybody is in that 0.1% and you're 0.01% better um but my point is like you are gated by time so if you have time it's possible and if you don't it's not and if you have time and it's po- then it, then it is possible but you have to um then you run into the third barrier, which is brain plasticity. So by the time you hit 26, it's really slowing down. So 18 to 26 is the slowdown period for men. Not the slowdown period. The slowdown period is from birth to 26. But 26, you basically have your adult brain. And at that point, brain plasticity is through building, not through winnowing. So essentially, where from 0 to 26, you're winnowing your brain down. So the ability to like learn new skills is amplified a lot. Um, Because your brain is like primed for that. Um, 26 and afterwards you have to learn everything as an adult would learn it. Which means you need to have high focus and you need to have excellent sleep and you need to have uh, everything dialed in in your life in order to promote that kind of like rapid neurogenesis and formulation of new uh, and better like connections in your neurons. For performance in your sport for what you trained that day and so um the answer is yes but it's gonna take a very concerted effort and if you aren't already high ranked or you weren't already high ranked you probably shouldn't try because it's gonna take so long to get to that point like by then you'll be in your like mid thirties and it probably like won't like won't be worth it anymore um, because the real question is like what is the salary differential between what you're making and the time invested that you have to put in, and what else do you want to do with your life instead with all of that time? Uh, and for a 17-year-old, like they're like, well, what else would I be doing? I just want to play video games. But for like a 27, 27-year-old, like the, maybe the answer is different, if you get my drift. Um, high rank would be like uh, less than the top 1%. So if you think that the pro player base... In the world, is 0.002% of all league players go pro. So, if you want to be high ranked and break into that, you need to be in the 0.01%. You need to be in the top. If you want to be in the top like 800, you need to be in the top 10,000. Um, and if you are thinking about whether or not you want to train to go pro, and you were at one time in the top 10,000 then you think, I can get back to the top 10,000. But if you were just like mid-diamond, and you're like, I want to go back and get back to mid-diamond and climb up, and you tried really hard at the game back then, and you didn't get higher, my, you, you're you in the top 2%, right? But that's a far cry from the top point zero one percent 0.002%, which is the people who actually get paid for it. Um, so, you, yeah. Um... Basically, I would say Masters or Challenger, or Grandmaster. Uh, if you were Diamond uh, like five years ago, and you're thinking of going back and going pro, there's probably a better use for your time. Also consider new esports as well. If you're going to be training yourself up in a, in an esport, and you have the opportunity to tackle something new, you can try a, a win-win situation, like streaming, uh, in a, streaming and practicing a genre of esport, and constantly going from game to game, and always working on improving yourself and getting better and better and building up a streaming personality or a streaming following so that you have a win-win scenario. Either you end up going pro at some point or you end up with a successful business model or a successful personality or networking contacts or just a lot of fun in a new hobby um, and and a lot of practice on improving yourself Moving from sport to sport to sport, as like MOBAs. Let's say you want to focus on MOBAs, so you're just always working on like the next MOBA and a variety of MOBAs and like different MOBA tech and theory crafting and stuff like that. Then you build a brand around that that journey, um, and it like is a win-win situation because you either end, end up going pro or you going end up with a successful brand or you end up with a lot of the assets of attempting to do both of those things at the same time, which are very synergistic, by the way. So that is my advice uh, to you. C- C- Zimmon, I think, is your how you pronounce your name? Sh- Shimin? Shimin? I'm not really sure. Anyway, appreciate it, and thanks for calling in, and I will uh, see all of you guys in the next show. Make sure to check out twitch.tv slash for the live show. Follow me on Twitter, go to mindgames.gg, and buy the Mac program. Bye.